Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hi, welcome to our first episode of Hashtag Dead to Me, The Interviews. I am Dr. Onodoro Townsend. In the TV series Hashtag Dead to Me, we explore the stories of 10 couples from all over Britain and Ireland whose relationships were born out of the digital age and would all end in tragedy. And in this podcast, Hashtag Dead to Me, The Interviews, I'm going to be speaking in greater detail to some of those affected who witnessed these tragic events unfolding, but were powerless to prevent them. And a reminder that you can watch the brand new 10-part TV series, Hashtag Dead to Me, Mondays at 9 and on the Crime and Investigation Play app. Today we're talking about the case of Ty O'Donnell. Before we speak to Linda and Shane, Ty's grandparents, let's remind ourselves of the case. Ty O'Donnell is 18 when he meets Camila Ahmad, and their relationship is volatile. We see in the documentary that Camila really views herself as a bit of a wannabe gangster. Ty's family become increasingly aware that she is violent. There was a time when I'd seen Ty and he had bite marks on his neck. And I said to him, what's that about? And he said that it was her. And I was like, well, what's going on with that? And he really tried to brush it off. He really didn't want to talk about it. The latest stats from the UK government suggest that 13.8% of men aged 16 to 74 have experienced domestic abuse behaviours. Ty was one of those men. Over the space of a few months, it became, I was never hearing anything good. Every conversation that we had, it was, oh, you know, this girl's trouble. This girl's really difficult, mum, she's, she's not right. And every time we tried to talk about her, he didn't want to engage. And he told us that, you know, he was with this crazy girl. She's always, she's just crazy. On the night that Ty dies, he and Camila have another fight. Ahmad stabs Ty four times. Once on the shoulder, once on his right thigh, twice in his left thigh. One of those blows severed his femoral vein and caused catastrophic bleeding, ultimately leading to his death. I guess he must have felt so lost in that situation scared and worried that even if he did try to defend himself, it would have made him look like the bad one. He would have been made to look like the monster. He would have just felt so helpless. When the ambulance arrives, they find Ty lying on the sofa. He was pronounced dead at the scene. It was clear that he'd been moved while seriously injured, but no one had called for help. And it was also obvious that someone had tried to clean at the scene. They found cleaning fluids, blood-stained bedding, clothing and trainers that were all piled up at the washing machine. 
but no effort had been made to save Ty. I just, I dropped to the floor. And I was like, no, 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 this can't, this can't be happening, it's not real. And I dropped to the floor and I was holding my stomach and I was crying and crying and I said, no, this can't be real. And a reminder that you can watch the brand new 10-part TV series Hashtag Dead to Me on crime and investigation now. And if you take a look in the episode description or listen out at the end, we're giving you an exclusive 50% discount to stream the show ad-free on the Crime and Investigation Play app. I'm really grateful to be joined by Linda and Shane, Ty's grandparents, who also feature in the documentary. Could we just start off with you telling us a bit about Ty, his personality, the kind of person he was? I mean, we saw in the documentary, we know that he's a budding musician. Uh, We saw interviews with his friends who say he's really kind and loving, but I'd love to know a bit more about who Ty was to you as his grandparents. Ty was come over, he would ring um, quite regularly. He he was very close to his granddad. Um, they were more like um, buddies, best mates. Um, he would come over quite regularly, you know, very loving, caring. You know, even if he was out with his mates, um, especially the female ones, he would make sure that if he had his last score in his pocket, he would make sure he called them a cab to get home safely. Caring, loving, loved my cooking. He'd always come around and tell people my nan makes the best curry goat and rice. Um, yeah. High praise indeed. Yeah. <laughs> and um, can you tell me a little bit about what his relationship with Camila was like? You know, where it was any of you in his family aware of any red flags immediately or, you know, was yeah. it a happy and healthy relationship? No, it wasn't from what I can gather. I mean, we never met her. Um, we didn't know anything about her. But a lot of Ty's friends did know a lot about her. And I think a few of them had warned her, him about her, but he sort of brushed it off. And when he came to me one day, we came down at the table here, he said to me, my girlfriend's mad, granddad. I said, what do you mean, Ty? He said, oh, she's mad. She keeps threatening to stab me. So I said to him, well, that's all right, Ty, but let me come and have a word with her and, and do so, start doing something about it. And he said, no, 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 no. No, Ty was fiercely independent. He, he loved his freedom. And he, and, and he always, you know, he's well ahead of his time. Um, it's well ahead of his age in terms of um, mentality, and 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 so he he thought he would be able to talk talk this problem away, but it, it obviously didn't didn't work because um she committed what she threatened to do, but a good a good thing for anybody who finds herself in a situation I found myself where where one of their children came to them and said anyone. Regardless of whether it's a girlfriend is trying to stab me or is threatening to stab me, that regardless of whether they say no, don't, don't, I'll handle it. I should have gone forward and I should have handled it. I should have taken it upon myself to go and see this person who is threatening to stab Ty 
and have it out with her. But he was, as I said, his independence. I didn't want to take the wind out of his sails by, by you know, taking over and going in there hand-fisted sort of thing, which I probably would have done if it allowed me. Um, so, so that was, it didn't happen. But my advice to anyone is if any children come to them and say, somebody's threatening me, is to go and do something, knock on the door and talk to this person or persons that are threatening and, and get some ball rolling somehow to, to prevent it from ever happening. Because I think if I'd have done that, it'd probably still be here. It must have been very difficult for both yourselves, Shane, Linda, for Ty's other family members. You know, you're becoming alarmed at some of the things that you're hearing from him about his partner. Um, mm. But you also recognise that he himself is a young adult and, you know, you're trying to give him the opportunity to make his own choices and, and get the yeah. help that he needs. So what was that like for you all? I think with if, with Ty, if he'd have come to us and told us what was really happening, um, it, it would have been totally different. For me, hearing about it all now, I just wish that he'd never met her. I, to be honest, when I look at her and look at Ty, I think Ty, the hell was you thinking of? Why would you get involved with somebody like that? A totally different character to Ty. She was obviously a lot more streetwise, very manipulative, controlling. And I think for Ty as a young man, I think he probably thought, you know, I can handle it. I don't really want my grandparents or my or my parents getting involved. I can deal with it. But obviously he he couldn't. I think he tried to hide a lot of it as well because normally with Ty, when he has a girlfriend, he would always come to us as grandparents first. And his first girlfriend, he brought her home to us and he actually asked what we thought. Mm. Um, and we we said what we thought. But, nice. but with this one, we knew absolutely zero about her. We didn't even know anything about her. Do you think that Ty realised quite how dangerous she was, though? No, I don't think, I don't think he did. In the beginning, I don't think he did, no. I really don't think he did. I think he probably thought um, I could handle her. Yeah, I don't think he realised how bad... Um, although he had all the warning signs because his mates was warning him and, and they said that they heard about this coming and they know her, stay away yeah, from her. people in the past. Um, you know, even my son told him, Ty, you know, she's not for you. She's more like a, what do they call her, a hood rat. Stay away from her. But, you know, maybe he just thought, He'll take a chance. I don't really know what was in his head at the time. Um, you mentioned as well that Camila was displaying quite a lot of controlling behaviour. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I think when I said about controlling, I think it was like Ty always stayed in touch with us, especially his granddad. And there came a point where I tried to get hold of Ty. Um, a I tried couple to, of weeks before he died. I tried to call him. I wanted him to come round for dinner um, and we couldn't get hold of him. It was like... We were all trying. He was off the radar. Um, we all tried to get hold of him. On reflection now, we, we wish that we'd actually gone round to 
his place. But Ty had a thing where he didn't just want people he didn't to want people turning up. He didn't want anyone turning up. Um, so obviously, I, 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 I tried calling and couldn't get hold of him. He didn't have his phone. It just turns out now that we heard that he didn't have his phone. So he was using her phone a lot, um, which I think she she planned that because he used his phone. Um, and also the fact that my husband's um, WhatsApp was blocked. So Ty couldn't even get hold of his granddad at all. Mm-hmm. So so when I say control, Instagram. Uh, yeah, Instagram. So when I say control, I think she took control of his mobile phone really yeah. and his communication um, yeah. yeah and all the communication that he had because he was really close to us well he was more close to his granddad mm-hmm. and if there was anything he would always call and say you know can you come over and he didn't have that um lifeline his phone was his lifeline that's how i would put it and he didn't have that unfortunately we do often see in cases of domestic abuse domestic violence <laughs> that the abuser does intentionally isolate the victim. They intentionally yeah. try and distance them from their family, their friends, and it's it's mm-hmm. all about gaining control over that person's life. Yeah. Uh, and that yeah. sounds exactly yeah. like what Camila was doing here for Ty. Yeah, and it, and it's also came to light since all this that um, the relationship she had with another chap prior to Ty was, was also um, manipulated. She was just that sort of a person. She'd say things like, oh, no, you don't want to go see that tonight. Um, just just don't bother. And, you know, just generally manipulating him away from the family, basically. It's what she did. Absolutely. And, um, you know, because he always used to phone me, and I was saying to Lindo, and everyone was saying, my phone, I couldn't I couldn't get him anymore. He wasn't there anymore, not my phone. Just, someone had actually blocked me or removed me. And I asked the police at the time, is that possible? Because I, I didn't really know, you know. This is all new to me. Is it possible to just do that? Yes, and, and it happens all the time. And I guess as well, this is why it's so important to spread awareness for male domestic abuse victims, uh, people who are concerned about their loved ones, because you know this is clearly a pattern of behaviour from Camila, mm. and most abusers do display these signs over multiple relationships. Um, mm. And unfortunately yeah. for Ty, it ended in you know the the ultimate tragedy. Yeah, definitely, because Ty came very um, withdrawn and obviously he loved his music and that was his thing. He always said that he wanted to make enough money so that he could buy his mum the dream house that she always wanted. So his music was his thing. But then it was like he stopped writing his lyrics. He stopped doing music. He became quite withdrawn and he stayed at his flat a lot and you know it was always like she would turn up unexpected sometimes Ty it seemed that Ty tried to get away from her and he kept telling her that he didn't want to be involved with her anymore um, stay away but she would just turn up and she wouldn't let go and she just used to come around to Ty's making loads of noise and broke the window because Ty didn't want the neighbours to hear all the noise and and, anyway. and everything. Mm-hmm. He would just open the door and let her in. Um, you know, she was she was just really horrible, nasty piece of work. And 
Ty just sort of just I don't know, I don't I don't think he knew what to do. Um I don't think he knew what to do. That's why he came came to me and said what he said, I told you, you know, but um he just wasn't prepared to let me sort of take the control of things and um, do something about it. And we know that it's often really challenging for male victims of domestic violence to open up. I mean, you know, he, he he came to you and he was able to tell you, but, you know, as you're saying, it was difficult to process the severity of what might have been happening and Ty wanted to sort of try and, and handle it on his own. Yeah, I mean, he did used to say things like, she's mad, she, she tries to get um, me to hit her because she causes trouble, she comes around and she makes a mess. And it's almost like she wants me to hit her, but I've been brought up not to hit women. So it's like he wouldn't do anything. But she, he used to say that she's mad because she will hit herself with the rolling pin or she would knock her head against the wall and make out that it was Ty that was doing it. Mm. She was very horrible, very nasty, really. Mm. And when um, Shane used to say, all right, Ty, do you want me to come over? He just used to say, no, I'll handle it, I'll handle yeah. it. And then, you know, in an adult way. Uh, you, you mentioned before that you were involved in the court process. What was that like for you both? Sitting in the court and listening to everything that Ty had gone through and everything that she had done was very hard, very dramatic. Um, it was really, really awful even to sit there and watch all the videos. Yeah, it was just really awful. And even the pathologist, when he was explaining everything what had happened to Ty, and in actual fact, she stabbed him four times. She left him. She even tried to tidy and clean up, make it look like, you know, she stripped him naked, took all of his clothes off, tried to wash everything. And the for Apologist even said that if she had actually put a tool, if there was a tourniquet on him, but it was in the wrong place. We don't know whether Ty did it or whether she did it, but it was in the wrong place. And had she had called an ambulance, um, you know, Ty would have been alive maybe. today, maybe today, but she just left him. Um, and it was it was so upsetting to see everything and to hear the amount of blood that he'd lost. Um, it was awful, really, really awful, and I wouldn't wish that on any family to have to go through that at all. Um, it was devastating, and to relive it and to go through it all again is just absolutely wrenching, heartbreaking. What would you say to others who are either in Ty's position or in your position as family members watching a loved one go through an abusive relationship? I wouldn't say a lot, but I certainly would do a lot. You know, we had so much that we wanted to do with Ty. Um, and, you know, we can't do that anymore. So for people that have got children that are males, you know, just make sure you yeah. take them under their, under their wing. Follow up anything, follow up anything, no matter how little, get involved. Get involved. Do something to alleviate the threat somehow and make it known to that person who is making the threats that you know he's not alone we, we're aware of this now and it's not going to happen well Shane Trust Linda a, a huge thank you I really appreciate you sharing more about 
who Ty is, the experiences and, and the insights that you have gained from this too. So thank you once again for your time. Okay, thank you. Listening to that conversation with Shane and Linda was Mark Brooks, who's from the domestic violence charity Mankind. And Mark, you're actually interviewed in episode nine of Hashtag Dead to Me. Would you say that this is a relatively typical case uh, for the cases that you see of male domestic violence victims? It is a typical case in, in many respects, because what we're what we see in this case is that the domestic abuse is happening against a man. He's reluctant or to actually come forward and talk to people about what's happening. He's reluctant to go to the police and also the support services which are available to men. And what's also telling was something that we're seeing a lot now, that whenever a woman is accused of killing her partner the defense are always now saying he was the perpetrator she was doing this in self-defense don't believe what you're being told by the crown prosecution service or the police or the family and that's a real worry because it's really playing on this narrative or this view that men can't be and aren't victims of domestic abuse that only women can be, which the statistics clearly show that both women and men are victims of domestic abuse, and both women and men are perpetrators of domestic abuse. Absolutely, and we do know that in this instance, Camila had accused Ty of being violent towards her as well, and and we're aware that that's something that, that played out in this situation. More broadly, I just wanted to ask you a bit about what is it that we can all do as a society to help create a safer space for men being able to reach out and get the help that they need? Well, we, we can certainly do, do a lot more in terms of awareness campaigns um, about what services are available. Um, local councils, for example, do have services which are available for women and men who are victims of domestic abuse. That's every council across the UK. Also, the police are far, far better now at taking male victims seriously. Ten years ago, it was a real struggle for them to actually believe a man could be a victim of domestic abuse. But the police have really changed in the last 10 years. So the police need to do more to actually make sure that men do recognise and understand that the police will take them seriously. But also, I think we all have a responsibility, friends, family, work colleagues, to look out for men who could be in an abusive relationship in exactly the same way that we rightly do for female victims. And one of the things that I always talk about is that is our spidey sense attuned to thinking a man in our life who we haven't seen for a year who has a new partner, are we attuned to thinking, well, is that actually right? Could that man be in an abusive relationship? Mm -hmm. What can I do to actually reach out and check that he's okay? Can you speak a bit to as well, you know, why is it that men 
may find it harder to ask for help. We know that Shane said just now that uh, Ty had told him that he was fine and that there was some issues ongoing, but he was going to handle it. He wasn't interested about any family or friends getting involved in that. There is an issue around masculinity in terms of um, how society brings up or, or speaks to men. So when men are in this situation, they feel a real enhanced sense of shame. Uh, they feel embarrassed. They feel that they're not a real man. Uh, can be exacerbated or made worse by size differences. You know, at six foot man, five foot four, you know, female partner, for example. And men will also fear the consequence of actually coming forward. They fear that they won't be believed. They fear that they will be laughed at and not taken seriously so that's a real issue that how society is actually talking and speaking to men that men feel that way and this is important because sometimes you hear a lot about well men just need to speak up but the key issue is is that more men are speaking up but are you believing them are you taking action and are you listening and so obviously in the UK, there's Claire's Law, where individuals or their family or friends or even neighbours who are concerned can reach out uh, to the police and request information about someone's partner's history with regards to uh, any convictions for domestic violence, domestic abuse. And how do you see uh, in your work at Mankind, Mark, how do you see the uptake of that law from men? Well, very few men are actually taking up that opportunity. I mean, it's about 4% of the people who, who ask for a disclosure are actually male. And I think one of the challenges that the police and others need to be clear on is that they need to be clear that that scheme is available for men because unless it's spelled out for men, they won't think it is. And, you know, given one in three of all victims of domestic abuse um, are male, around 700,000 a year, according to the government. It's clear that these types of tools and initiatives which are available for men are not reaching men. Men aren't aware enough that they actually exist. And we know that that shame and embarrassment are barriers that exist, you know, regardless of gender across domestic abuse. But I absolutely hear you that, you know, uh, creating further awareness of different forms of domestic violence is something that's going to be really important in being able to encourage people to come forward and reduce that stigma. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a whole host of different aspects that, that affect female victims. I um, certainly agree. So you know, my expertise is in, in male victims. So so there's those particular issues that um, affect men because they are men. Um and I think, you know, as a society, as a whole, we've just got to be more aware about domestic abuse and how it affects women and also how it affects men as well. Mm -hmm. And I think by doing that, we'll be keeping far more men and women safe uh, than the present situation. And that's also what needs to change. Mark, thank you so much. That's really invaluable to hear that message from you and really appreciate all of the work and research that Mankind put out there about this issue. Thank you very much indeed. 
Here on Hashtag Dead to Me, we centre on the experience and stories of the victims and their loved ones. We're making this podcast to delve deeper into those stories and trying to learn from those who were there. I think listening today to Linda, Shane and Mark, I'm certainly going to be reflecting on how important it is to check in on all of my loved ones and really giving the time and space for those hard conversations with my friends and family. Ty had no idea the danger that Camille posed to him and I think we can all learn from that how important it is to take seriously those first signs of concern and of violence. Thank you to everyone listening. There'll be another episode of Dead to Me that interviews next week. We're going to be speaking with the mother of Ashley Wadsworth and delving a little bit more into Claire's law. Stream the TV series Hashtag Dead to Me and thousands of hours of other unmissable true crime content, all ad-free on Crime and Investigation Play. We have an exclusive offer to listeners of this podcast to receive 50% off a subscription to Crime and Investigation Play app. To take advantage of this offer, go to crimeandinvestigationplay.co.uk. The link is in the episode description and use the offer code dead to me when prompted. That's dead to me to get 50% off the Crime and Investigation Play app and watch thousands of hours of unmissable true crime content all ad-free. The offer starts on 1st of October 2023 and ends 31st of December 2023. It's applicable for the full term of any package you choose to purchase. Subscription auto-renews at the standard package rate after that first term, depending on the package that you've chosen. Dates may be subject to change at any time, but you can see the episode description for full terms and conditions. Hashtag Dead to Me, The Interviews is a crime and investigation original podcast from First Look TV, hosted by me, Onodoro Townsend, produced by Caitlin Hanrahan, and executive produced by Sam Pearson and David Clifton. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. What makes a stalker tick? I'm Rachira Sharma inviting you to delve into Anatomy of a Stalker, an original crime and investigation podcast. That police officer's partner drove to my house to warn me that this man would kill me. She'd look in the rearview mirror, out from the back seat, would it pop the ex-husband. Don't miss Anatomy of a Stalker. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. The hunt begins now. <laughs>